Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So did um, did the heat of Thursday drive you away from Sunday's game, Brian LeBlanc, from Canes Country? Well, let's put it this way. I was on vacation the last week of the preseason with our right. daughter. And so because we were on vacation with a five-year-old, we had to go on vacation again to actually go on vacation <laughs> this past weekend. <laughs> I thought I thought it was it was just too hot. Like you're just home, still sweating from. Uh, it was a hundred degrees on it was. Thursday. Yes, it was. It was every bit of a hundred, as you well know. You sat out there <laughs> for three and a half hours doing a radio show. Al- Alec was uh, he he wanted no part of it. I stood out there for ten minutes and I I was sweating <laughs> profusely. So can't, I, I can't say I blame you. To be fair, I mean I'm I sweat with the best of them. <laughs> I do, and 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 with that, no, 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 I. I I need I need more uh, I need it like an explanation for why uh, for how you sweat. I have no idea why that's the case. <laughs> it just is, and like I, I work out and I just pour sweat. You know, oh, I'm you're a no. To. I'm a no. I know, but it's it's like it's like, you know, it's like puddles. Like I I I'm a no gray T-shirt to the gym guy because it's so oh, bad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know who I felt for was Mike and Tripp, who had to sit out there in a full suit. And Shane, right? Yeah, and Shane. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that was cruel and unusual punishment. No kidding, right? At least give him a polo shirt or something. Jeez. I mean, blow fans. I mean, here's the other thing. I, I get, I get why they wanted to do that for the opener, mm-hmm. but just put them in the concourse. It's air conditioned. Come on, yeah, put them <laughs> They've somewhere. Got the setup already. I mean, it, uh, just it was it was too bad. Uh, all right, should we? Uh, it, it's going to be cool now. It does look like the uh, praise be the summer is uh, finally over. So let's uh, let's start these proceedings. This is the Canes Corner podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner podcast, Adam Gold. Brian LeBlanc, Canes Corner. No, not Canes Corner. Canes Country. What's well, the name of the podcast? This is so. the podcast. It's called Canes Corner. Alec Campbell. I'm Adam Gold. All right, so can we just say that the method is probably unsustainable yeah. to be trailing? <laughs> no kidding. Three, uh, you know, and in, in going into the third period in all three games. Uh, what's been uh, surprising, encouraging about all of this for you? Well, the encouraging thing for me is that they've done, they've come back in all three of these games and gotten six points, and Sebastian Ajo hasn't scored a goal yet. Right. That's and really hadn't played well. And really hasn't played all that well. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking back at the Montreal game, uh, that fell apart in the span of about three minutes with just some terrible defensive play. I mean, basically up and down the lineup. Warren Fogle, I thought, had a really bad game in the opener and has come back a little bit, but he's not mm-hmm. back to where he needs to be yet. But fortunately for the Hurricanes, the defense have really stepped it up both at both ends of the ice. We were talking before we went on the air, and I know you'll mention this, about how good Dougie Hamilton mm-hmm. has been on the defensive end. But then if you look on the other end, five of the Hurricanes' goals so far, plus the shootout winner, have come from defensemen. <laughs> Slavin's got two. Pesci, Hamilton, Gardner. and Jake Gardner yeah. have one. And then Hamilton, of course, won the shootout against Montreal. When you're getting scoring like that, that can overcome a lot of deficiencies. And I know that Rod Brindamore – 
appreciates the fact that he's got some time to work on these things because, you know, this is the time last year where he said they were playing as well as they played all year and weren't getting the results where now they're not playing their potential, but they're getting two points a game, and that's all you can really ask. Alec, maybe uh, maybe all these defensemen scoring is why the horn malfunctioned. Oh, yeah. Well, the heat. I mean, it wasn't the heat outside. It was the heat inside, right? <laughs> Am I right? I've, I've, I, now, let me, let me just go out there and say I've heard the horn do that before. It's been probably 10 or so years. Yeah, but people were really mad about it. They now. were very mad about it. And <laughs> Mike Sundheim, the, uh, the guy we all know as the media relations director of the Hurricanes, uh, responded, I think it was to you, Alec, on, yes. on, thir- on Thursday night and said, you know, we got all these bells and whistles. We got a $6 million scoreboard and light up wristbands. And it's the 50-year-old horn that goes on the fritz on the first night of the right. season. But, I mean, of course it was. Is it that surprising that the old thing broke? I mean, you <laughs> know, that's the other way to look at yeah, it. Maybe true. they should have put uh, $6 million into a new well, bullhorn. It's working now. And it no, worked. based on the reaction, they better not. That's true. <laughs> but to piggyback off what, what you're talking about, though, I'm staking my flag in the idea that coming back this year feels less insurmountable than it once did. And with this organization, um, and that's what I think we've like. I don't think the Hurricanes have played all that bad in mm-hmm. any of the games that they've played. No, even Rod hasn't been necessarily that upset with the way they played. I mean, look at the look at the first period they played last night. Rod was, uh, and, and that was the the game against Tampa. Rod was pretty pleased with that period. And you know, if you looked at any of the the metrics or anything like that, the Canes got themselves into positions where they could score. Plenty of times yeah. last night. They probably they probably should have scored two or three times if you're really looking at it. Same thing happened in Washington for me. I didn't mm-hmm. think they opened the game that poorly either, but they hung around. And they hung around, and they have the people now to uh, to come back. And it feels like less of a mountain to climb mm-hmm. when they're in a deficit. They also have some other elements in their lineup that I think help alleviate both Rod Brindamore. You know, Eric Hollow last night won 15 face-offs mm-hmm. Man, out of 19. And, you know, that's a thing where, yo, you don't have to send Jordan Stahl out there to win you a big face-off every single time. He's also scoring goals. But what a, what a luxury it is for Rod Brindamore to have that in the lineup. So they've got yeah. they've got different elements that are that are here now that they haven't had in a long time that – you know, give guys a break or help you make up in areas that you didn't have depth in in the past. You know, the the cool thing about what what happened over these three games is that I do believe, for the most part, the first periods have been very good. The, uh, the first period against Montreal was good. First period against Washington. I mean, they I mean they weren't leading at the end of one, unfortunately, but I thought they outplayed Washington. That's more on Brayton Holtby than anything right, else. Right. Yeah. He was spectacular. Yeah. And last night, after the first goal, I thought Curtis McElhinney was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And then the the really only the only problem for Carolina was they were just kind of weird mistakes in their own end. Soft clearing attempts, one by Natchez, one by Aho, that ended up. You know, with the Tyler Johnson ends up with the first puck. He is a Hurricanes killer. We talked about this yesterday during the uh, the first intermission. Tyler Johnson, in each of the last two seasons, has a hat trick against Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's he had eight goals combined, four goals each of the last two years. He had uh, he has, now has twelve goals in his last thirteen games. Yeah, he is against, he is he dis- is destroys Carolina. He is now what Ole Jokinen used to be. <laughs> right. where, like, just every time Ole right. Jokinen played Carolina, you could just pencil him in for a four-point night. And then That's Stamco- kind of where Tyler Johnson is. Stamkos ends up with the puck on the Ajo mistake, yeah. uh, and it's 3-1, but they really didn't play that poorly. 
And then from that point on in last night's game, and this is where Stamco said after the game that they were completely outclassed by a team, and I think he was maybe taking a shot at his own coaching Absolutely staff. Absolutely he was, uh, no question. With a plan, yeah. like that had a game plan. Like, well, wow, that's an interesting thing to hear from a, you know, the, the captain of a team that won 62 games. Uh, but only two shots on goal from Stamkos' goal to the end of the game. Unbelievable. Two, and they happened in the same sequence where Morozik made a save, it, the the rebound came out, and he made another save, and that was it. Yep. I mean, I don't even know how to process that against a team like Tampa, other than Carolina was absolutely on their game last night. The second period against Montreal was the one that sticks out to me as yep. the worst period that they've played. But what was interesting was that Rod said he didn't like the first 40 minutes against Montreal. I'm kind of with Alec. I thought that it wasn't, I you the know, first period was it was okay. fine. It wasn't. wasn't Great, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like we saw last or on, against uh, Tampa for sure, but you know he didn't like either of those two periods. That's when he made the line changes, and we've seen the effect that that's had on you know moving, moving, uh, moving Natchez up for one thing, and then moving Teravainen up to play with Aho and, and Nino Niederreiter. Theory on that, yeah. Um, they Teravainen was was moved to Aho's line to get Aho going. Yeah, no, I absolutely um, agree. Teravainen's been very good, especially to you know been their best forward for me. That's the one thing that I think has really developed over the last couple of years in Teravainen's game is his defensive mm-hmm. game. He's become a really good defensive player, and not that he ever really had the reputation of being you know a red line in type player coming over from Chicago, but nobody really thought of him as being you know. A, a real world-class defensive player, but man, he has taken some notes from Jordan Stahl, and he's as good as the Hurricanes have. Incredibly right now. smart, uh, and that's and you, you you see a lot of good plays. That's why he's killing penalties too. Yeah, they're using he and Aho, and I think he's better at it than Aho is. Uh, but Aho is, of course, the talented scorer. Uh, Alec, how many assists do you think uh, Tavo Teravainen could have if uh, if God, I mean, I'm not blaming anybody. I don't think anybody is screwed up. But Teravainen has made some ridiculous passes. Oh, he's been unreal. He's such a great playmaker. I mean, I do think that the one thing that stands – like, he, that's the thing that he does. So the defensive play, I think, stands out a little bit more. But, man, over the course of these three games so far – I mean, he's put two on the tape of Eric Halla right in the goal mouth on, par, on power <laughs> plays already, only one of which Halla has scored on. But I think – well, now the, the scoring has been changed. But uh, he had, I thought – Assisted on right. all four power play goals that the Hurricanes have scored on this year, which is another element of this of this team that we're, we'll have to touch on here in a second. But I don't know what is is fifty realistic? Fifty assists? No, for I think it's absolutely for, for yeah. Teravine in this year. Yeah. I mean, why not? Completely didn't possible. Come, on didn't this he do pace. that last year? Yeah, I think, I think he, he had, had fifty one, fifty two yeah. last okay, year. So oh, absolutely. Bump it up then. Maybe sixty. I mean, if they've got a functional power play, which they didn't have for three quarters of last season, if not the whole thing. We are going to talk about that later. I thought we might. No, we definitely are. That is called a tease in the business. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tavo Teravainen could easily be the top assist man on this team. And that's no small feat with, you know, guys like Hamilton and uh, and Ajo's a, a pretty good setup guy in his Absolutely. own right. Also, he had, he had 53 assists yeah. last year, Ajo. Yeah, I would not. I mean, there were a couple people in our uh, season predictions uh, uh, article that had Tara Vinen as the top assist man. I went with Ajo, but I mean, I could easily make a case for Tara Vinen being that guy. Yeah, I think uh, I think Tara Vinen had, what, 50-some-odd assists, maybe 55 assists last year. I will, uh, I will, I, I'm efforting those numbers. All right, let's, <laughs> I want to move on to uh, what we saw Saturday. Or what we didn't see. 
mm-hmm. Saturday in Washington. So uh, the team goes up to D.C. for the first game in, uh, well, I call it in anger, a yes. real game, not a preseason game, since April 24th, Game 7, double overtime win. By the way, it was, I, was, I found it interesting that when I walked into the locker room on Friday to talk to Brock McGinn, uh, and I said, all right, scene of the crime. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, has he forgotten? Oh, I, I thought the same thing he, he mentioned in your interview, and I said this on the Stormwatch. He was like, yeah, it was, a, it was just a good uh, series win and a good team win. I was like, Brock, Dude, no, it was not just a good the, series win. It's the greatest goal you've ever scored and probably ever will score. Right. And also, it was a series win that was the first series win in a decade. Right. <laughs> and it was in game seven, and it was in double overtime. And hey, now, Brock's an understated guy. No, I, I know. <laughs> I'm I a big. he's been hit by one of those fish he caught. I'm <laughs> a big Brock. McGinn fan. Me too. But yeah, I, I I reacted the same way to those comments. By the way, Teravine in 55 assists last year, 41 assists the year before. All right, so uh, 65 assists. 60, Let's see if we can get there. I, I'm going to go 14, uh, 69 assists. That's a nice number. Nice. That's, a, that's a very right, nice number. So a little surprised that we didn't see any rough stuff in Washington? Maybe a little bit, but there was so much leading up to it. I mean, Todd Reardon can't keep his mouth shut. We're going to talk Oshie. about him in a second, too, because that know, guy's a clown oh in my, my mind. God. Uh, TJ Oshie, you know, coming back to play against Warren Fogle. You know, Fogle, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit on Press Row on Thursday night. Fogle's just wound up so tight, and you could kind of see it last night. He was just a little bit looser. I, I actually, I thought Warren Fogle played his best game yesterday. Yeah, of the three games, yeah. absolutely yesterday was, was his best was and you good. know he was looking forward not looking forward but looking ahead to Saturday knowing that something was coming and that affects people mm-hmm. I mean there's Especially no question him. I mean it would affect any of us in our jobs and so you know you've got a 20 what is he 22 23 year old yeah. guy that's you know got an opposing coach shooting his mouth off that's got you know a, one of the you know, I, I hesitate to say he's a dumb player because he's not, but Tom Wilson is an annoyance at the very least. Oh, yeah. Is, well, he's an agitator. He's, yeah, a, he's, so he's a great he does. player, yeah. by the way. You know, you're going to inevitably lo- be looking over your shoulder, and I get that. And, you know, I think that a lot of that might have just been it – was, it was just gamesmanship by the by the Caps. And mm-hmm. when, you know, when they know that Holpe's going, and he was going on, on Saturday night for sure, and the Hurricanes had to work through it and get through it, but the – Caps didn't have to resort to any monkey business to, you know, to get what they wanted. But man, that um, that overturned goal just loomed so big. And there were two mm-hmm. moments in the first two games: the save on Kale Flurry on Thursday night yeah. by, by Peter Morazic, and the overturned goal on the Rod Brindamore challenge on Saturday. Those two moments turned those games around. And without either of those, I don't think the Hurricanes win either one. Yeah, but you you could argue that that goal isn't going to get scored. If uh, Fair. if there's not goal, but this is the NHL, so who knows? Yeah, but that was well. There's no way they weren't calling. We've that. all seen. We've <laughs> I mean, all he seen more into the crease on his own and hit Reimer. We've there all seen no more. We've all that. seen more egregious egregious examples than that of goals not getting overturned. We, we should give coaches red flags so they can spike them. <laughs> uh, I know. Alec, who was you, that yesterday? That was did Jason that? Garrett. That's right. Uh, you're not a fan of. Uh, of the unnecessary, ridiculous fighting, well, I, and you're right about that. Well, that, I think that I think that was a part of what happened on Saturday night. Was that you know number one, number one, there's so much fake toughness. All right, right. It's it's, it's you know Todd Reardon can say whatever he was, but if he's going to sit there and whatever he wants, but if he's going to sit there and tell us he's going to back our play, his own players, then you're telling me you would do the same thing that Rod Brindamore did, right? <laughs> so you've you've already stepped in it right there. Uh, but number two, 
I think probably what happened is that Washington realized that this is kind of one of four metropolitan games that we need to actually win, and our focus doesn't need to be squarely on getting into a, a, a giant right. fight with someone, uh, you know, just for the sake of doing it, unless, you know, something happens, you know, in the game where, it's, you know, it kind of naturally breaks out. But let's not force the issue here. So I think that happened to them. I think that they they got into a game that the Hurricanes, frankly – you know, worse. You know, Trip and everyone else commented on it, where it turned into such a fast-paced game, they couldn't get into any of their physical style that they can play at times, where they they shove they shove you to the outside, mm-hmm. uh, they muck it up a little bit. You know, for a team that has as much skill as they do, they they play a heavy game, um, and they couldn't get into that style of game, and that I think, you know, deterred it from anything really happening. But also, it was just like you know, we actually need to win this game. Also, they were playing the third game in four nights at that point. It was their home opener, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that that kind of entered their minds, as it should. I was happy about that. I was happy about the fact that let's come to our senses here and actually worry about playing the game instead of turning this into a steel cage match. Yeah, I thought the third period, uh, Washington's legs were obviously heavier. Carolina was... Way quick to every puck. They dominated the third period. They've Frankly, been, thought they could have won it in regulation. They've been like that at every third period this yeah. season. And I asked Dougie about that after Thursday's game. And he said, yeah, that's and it's pretty rare that in the first game of the season you can go out and concretely say this is our identity. But that was obvious what Dougie mm-hmm. said. Our identity is going to be skating teams into the ground and using our speed as a weapon. And they did, they've done it all three games. And it's helped them come back in each one of them. Yeah, the uh, – look – what happened Thursday? Carey Price, the best goalie in the world. Uh, they needed. Uh, did, I mean, it was was it, it was the power play goal that that Hall of finally yeah. uh, hit yeah. home after well, missing. It was, it, was, it was technically even strength, but I mean, oh, it was that's right. right it was at three the, seconds yeah, after right the power at the end play of a power play. Yeah. So um, yes, one of those non-power play power play goals, mm-hmm. uh, and even that was they had so many opportunities. One was going to get past Price, uh, but I did feel as though in Washington. Maybe there was still some lingering uh, in their minds by the Capitals that, at least in the mind of Braden Holtby, as great as Holtby was uh, in this game for the most part, but even in that series, there was some really shaky play from him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go back to Game 7, the Ajo shorthanded goal, I mean, that's an unacceptable goal. I mean, the first shot was terrible. And somehow Holtby allowed a, uh, a, rebound. a rebound, and even the second shot wasn't great, and Holtby just it just went through. Um, and I thought that Holtby was was showing signs of not being the same Braden Holtby in the third period that he was in the uh, in the first two periods. Well, it probably didn't help that he didn't really have much help. I no, mean, right, right. Yeah, I that mean, is the, that is true. The team play in front of him was ranging from fair to pathetic pretty much the entire (laughs) night with the exception of the early first period when they, you know, but again, it's, you know, Garnet Hathaway scored a goal and you know had another one weighed off. He looks off, like a good off. player to me, Garnet Hathaway. Yeah, but like if, legitimately a, a good player on a team with Nick Backstrom yeah. and Alex Ovechkin and Wilson is a decent scorer and Oshie and John Carlson and all these names. It's Garnet. Yeah, it's Garnet Hathaway that's scoring your goals for you. <laughs> I mean, if if, if you're hoping and looking, Garnet Hathaway. But that's not the guy that the Caps are looking <laughs> for to score goals. And if they're not doing much in front of Holtby, and that's your guy that's scoring goals on the other end, I can understand where. Holtby 
Whoopi is like, come on, guys, give me some help here. You know who isn't checking Garnet Hathaway? Who's that? Dougie Hamilton. That's correct. And Dougie stopped Alexander Ovechkin twice. Late Was late third period mm. where he stopped Ovechkin twice? I, I was... Yep. What did I just watch? Because I remember watching the playoffs last year when they had to take Dougie off the ice. Yep. And and because of that, they also took Slavin off the ice a lot, too. Because mm-hmm. that line was really man... That defensive pairing was manhandled by Washington's top trio. Yeah. Uh, but... Ducky was dynamite. Oh, he was so in that good. game. Oh, so good. We're going to talk I, I more about it later. That you know, had you told me that the Hurricanes were going to take six penalties in that game, including one to start the overtime period, I would not have told you that the Hurricanes were going to come away with a win. Yeah, in that game. I, I just assumed that the overtime one was game over. Right. right. One uh, one quick thing before we have a little conversation here uh, with Jordan Stahl, the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Todd Reardon, explaining. Hockey etiquette yeah. to Rod Brindamore. Does that go on a scale somewhere? I mean I mean to me Well like maybe I, we don't maybe Todd doesn't. Do I that. understand as a general rule, coaches shouldn't talk to players. That makes total sense to me, right? But when you've got your doofus jerk player <laughs> chirping at the at the bench for an extended period of time and it gets to a point where the coach has to say dude get the hell out of here right then i got no problem with it and as i mentioned earlier everybody is here to defend their players so todd reardon can say whatever he wants to the the sports junkies that by the way wasn't even my favorite part but right <laughs> if you're going to tell me that that you back your players, you would have done the same thing. My favorite part of that interview, though, was when they asked him if uh, this is a complete aside, by the way. That if do you like Rod Brindamore? And the one guy goes, "I don't." Yeah. What? Who what was, the hell do you know? Who was that guy? That's that's. I, I, I need to know who that, that guy was because I, I, I need, to I need a clip of this. Yeah, yeah I've I've got I heard it. it. Yeah, it's it. I was like, "What are you talking? What 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 do you, what kind of basis do you have to say you don't like Rod Brindamore? Uh, what maybe it's just his, because Brindamore terrorizes crooked? Well, maybe or maybe maybe it's because Brindamore terrorized the Caps for years. I don't like, know if he did or not, or, or maybe as a hurricane he did. I don't know. I don't know. He won a cup uh, before the Capitals did. Yeah. He does. He 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 says mean things about the coach of my sports ball team, yes. and so I'm going to say bad things about him. Yeah. I mean, like you know, I don't I don't necessarily fear uh, feel some like unwavering need to cape up for Rod Brindamore, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, shut up. Well, they, they and were... Rod, Rod's response to it though is fantastic. I mean, let's be honest, that's it's hilarious. Basically, just like kind of throwing his you know Alfred E. Newman style, just kind of throwing his arms up and saying, "Look, he knows where I am. Come find me." Right. And it, it doesn't mean it is like a you know, is throwing down a gauntlet or anything. He's just saying, hey, you know, we got, I got better things to do. You worry about your stuff. I'll worry about mine. You don't waste your time worrying about my my side of the, of the ice. Two quick things. The, the first comments about what happened, not only last year in the playoffs, but this year, uh, both came from the capital side. Yeah. Ovechkin setting the narrative for what happened between he and Svechnikov, mm-hmm. which, half-truth. Sure. I mean, I think Svechnikov plays to get under your skin anyway. Sure he does, so and he's been doing it to right. perfection so uh, far this year. But Ovechkin does too, and Ovechkin was do, was oh, yeah. going at Svechnikov all year and in the in those games. Um, and then Tom Wilson with the taking the the higher road. I'm using so many air quotes here uh, by going. I uh, the bet coach started talking to me last year after the Svechnikov fight. Wilson skated past the Hurricanes bench and saying, "Hey, man, what a great fight that was!" Right. Okay. We don't fine. know. We don't know the condition of a fellow player, idiot. Uh, and then th- this year, like 
he skated by and taunted Warren Fogle on the like bench. Like threatened him. Right. Like, are you serious? So when Rod Brindamore and Dean Chenouth go, get the Scram. Blank, get the blank down the other end of the ice. Todd Reardon's like, I can't believe you're talking to my player. I'm like, mm, well, okay. You know, the other thing, too, that I, that I found myself thinking about, and I don't want to be too hot takey about this or maybe take this to a place that's, you know, outside the realm of, the, of you know, talking hockey, but, dude, if a guy threatens another guy and something does happen, you know, in that game, like, let's say, let's say Warren Fogle does sustain, like, some serious injury, um, you know, Maybe that's that takes him out of the game, takes him like ends his career, mm-hmm. and we we retroactively go back to the time when a whole bench of players hears Tom Wilson threaten you. You know what does that mean for that? I mean, like that that's that that could be a potentially bad situation. You know, for, that's for Tom, Tom Wilson. Wilson. Though. That's Tom Wilson. That's what he does. I know. I know. But and I know like there's gamesmanship and these things you know go on or whatever. But in this particular instance. You have you have directly addressed an entire bench, an entire team of players, all of whom are, are right there for whatever it is you said. And if something does go potentially terribly wrong, you know that's that, that could be that could turn out very badly for him. All I have to say is, what a world we live in when the Washington Capitals, of all teams, who have won what five straight division titles, who have won a Stanley Cup, who are a fixture in playing hockey in May have the Carolina Hurricanes in their heads. I mean, it's a good rivalry now, man. It, oh, it's, it's fantastic, and I, and I love it. It's a good it rivalry. Because, because the, the greatest thing is that all the all the nonsense is going to come from one side, and Rod and Jordan Stahl and you know whoever else will just be able to say, hey, you know, we're just going out and playing our game and just totally no-selling it, which just makes them even more indignant on the other side. It's fantastic. That's, I love that's it. That's true. When you don't get a rise out yeah. of the other side. It, 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 it infuriates me even it worse. Yeah. All right, you mentioned Jordan Stahl. Let's take a quick break. We'll listen to my conversation with the new captain of the Carolina Hurricanes. All right, I don't want to like maybe bring up a sore subject, but I saw you walking toward the wrong stall hmm. when you walked uh, back into the locker room after practice. Does this whole thing maybe take some getting used to? Well, I mean, I've been here for seven years, so <laughs> I've gone to the same locker room for or locker um since I've been here, so um, that will probably last all season. So I'm not uh, not too worried about that. But um, did, did you leave anything for Marty? Because Natchez has uh, has your old salt. Yeah, yeah. I left a few things for him just to make sure he's ready to go. But uh, um, beyond that, I'm excited about uh, the spot I'm in and excited about this group. Has the whole thing sunk in for you yet? Um, I hate that. I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't think it really is going to change a whole lot for me. I, I mean, having an A or a C or, or whatever it is, it's not really going to change a whole lot for my day-to-day and, and how I how I lead. And, and, and to be honest, uh, um, it's, it's kind of just a letter. So as a group, as a leadership group, there's a group of guys that are going to run, the, run, the, run this team. I was part of it since I've pretty much been here. And... Um, I don't see it uh, really changing a whole lot. No, you kind of alluded to it. It's not the first time you've worn a C. And I think there's, there might be some people that have forgotten that. I don't know. Um, but other than the obvious, because it was a weird year, what's, what's different, you think? Then... Then which year? I, I don't know. Um, two years ago. You two years ago when it with me and Falker? Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we both had C's on, so that's just kind of a little weird. But uh, um, at the same time, 
um, that's what we thought was best for the group and, and uh, the ownership or uh, you know the coaching staff and everything. So um, and again, that just goes to show it, it is a group of guys. It's not just one guy doing it all. I mean, it's just not how it works. And everyone in this room needs each other. It's just the way it is, and we need each other to be be ready to go every game and and that's part of a group of guys that's going to make sure this team's ready to go and, and i've always been a part of that and um and i'm excited to continue to be a part of that you're not necessarily at least from the outside uh, a rah-rah type of a guy uh do you have to force some of that at times uh, or do you rely on lean on other people to maybe uh, handle that element yeah, I mean, there's going to be times, maybe, maybe a little bit more this year, we'll have to speak up. Um, um, I can't say I'm the smoothest talking guy like someone I know last year, um, you know, but uh, um, in general, I think, uh, like I said, like last year, um, we had other guys that would do it, and, and that's just part of the room dynamic and, and part of different leadership roles, and guys stepping up and doing the things that we need to do and there's going to be a few guys that will have to do it this year a little bit more than they might might think and and i'll be leaning on them more and, and making sure i talk to them and um and yeah making sure that the room's ready to go and everyone's uh on the same page have you talked to your brother at all about what i don't know maybe expectations are in the stands for what the captain's supposed to be because he had to go through it and I thought I saw him grow really as a captain and a leader and a person over the years he was the captain have you talked to him about it uh I have not actually I mean a little bit over a little bit I guess but um um like I said before I, I think uh a lot of us have been in this situation where we're all kind of all in those leadership meetings and we know like I said it takes takes that group and um it's not just that one guy um you know, maybe the fans might see it differently because you see that let's see and you see the lone soldier, but it is a group in here, and um, it doesn't feel like that on a day-to-day basis. There are two players in this locker room this year that are over 30 years old. It's a young group. It really is, just yeah. two, right? You and uh, James Reimer. I'm the old guy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think James is older than Yeah, but not by much, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not the oldest. So what is, what's the challenge? I mean, it was a young group last year, too, but what's the challenge? How, what maybe concerns you about something like that, that you're going to have to keep your eyes on? Um, yeah, I think as a young group, it's just being prepared and ready to go. I think uh, um, the ups and downs, maybe some some kids might take a little harder, be on themselves, uh, be down a little bit longer than they should, or, or even higher as long as they, longer than they should. And, um, it's a long season. It's, it's all those things that the more you play, the more you understand that 82 games after the first game, you know, it might feel like it's the end of the world, but you got 81 more to go. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's all those things. And um, just as a group, I think uh, the young guys just understanding that you got to bring it every night, you got to bring it every day. And, and Roddy does a great job of that anyway, so it's not very hard for me uh, to fall suit in that. And, um, and I, I try to do it personally myself and, and lead that way and, uh, and go from there. Two quick things. A scouting report on your uh, on your alternates, Jacob Slavin and Jordan Martinook. Uh, strength of Jacob, and then the same thing for Jordan. What was the word for, for a Jacob? A, 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 a scouting report as a, a, scouting as a leader for, those for, guys, uh, yeah. um, for Jacob. Yeah, <clears throat> Slavo is, is kind of similar to me, I guess, a little quieter um, demeanor, but in general, you watch him on the ice, and 
he's consistent. He's a guy that's going to show up every night, and that's what you want. As a looking around the room, that's that's what you want to rely on, and he's a reliable guy that's that's going to give it everything he's got. Um, and obviously a talented player and a, and a smart player, and he understands the game and all those things. And um, he's just a rock, and um, consistency is, is big in, in a long season, and um, and he's the epitome of that. And, uh, and Marty's similar in that regard, but he's got uh, obviously a, a great personality, a guy that can keep the room light and uh, making sure guys that um, – are not only focused, but but having having fun doing it too, and and that's a big thing too because it's a long season and you can get uh, some ups and downs where um, you know you start uh, kind of spiraling down the wrong hole and, and it starts to affect your game and where he can uh, keep the room light and keep the guys focused, but but having fun doing it. And I should have known when we first saw you at media day that you had captain's hair <laughs> uh, because the guy who used to sit here had kind of he was gray you're not gray but he had long flowing locks i should have known yes yes. Uh, (laughs) that's clearly what the goal of summer was i knew it was going to happen so i had to make sure i didn't know it was going to happen but i may have to make sure my hair was there just in case what did you take maybe from the way justin carried himself and um just kind of spoke for the team i guess last year yeah he um yeah he took a brunt of uh of a lot of the media, a lot of, of um, talking in the room and, and stuff like that, um, which is going to be a big hole that we're going to have to fill with a lot of different guys. And um, But just a guy that's... Um, I talked to the guys today, it was just about accountability, and he, he made sure that that we liked each other enough that we could call each other out and, and right. you know make sure that... Um, and it wouldn't bother guys. Hi, I'm Jordan Stahl. <laughs> All right, um... He is incredibly, uh, incredibly stoic. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that he'll, he's grown as a leader. And my, my intel from the inside is that while he will not be the same type of captain that Justin Williams was, and nobody should try to be like Williams wasn't the same captain that Rod Brindamore was. I mean, they, everybody has their, they have their own style. Jordan is more legitimately social mm-hmm. with these players than Justin was. I, I tend to agree with that. So what's... He's closer in age to him. I mean, ju- ju- well, <laughs> Everybody's seriously, closer in I didn't age want ju- Justin I, Williams. I did not want Justin... Justin Williams old here. Listen, I didn't want Justin Williams to retire. By the way, happy birthday, Justin. His birthday yeah, was last week. O- October 4th. Yeah, he's Friday. exactly a month older than me. And as right. long as he was playing, I was not going to be the oldest person... Uh, like older than all the players in the locker room. I thought about that a lot last year. As much as that was mentioned, how old Justin was, and he was what thirty-seven playing last yeah, year. Yeah, he just turned thirty-eight. And I'm covering the team at thirty-five, and I'm going, wait a second. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he, uh, he's not that old. He was. He was sort of like, um, he was like the fun dad. Yeah, Justin Williams yeah. was the fun dad. Yeah, always, J- always kind of like with just a little half grin on his yeah. face, just like you know, you know, he's up to something no matter when you look at him. Right, and uh, Jordan Stahl is more like the uh, the quiet, strong older brother. Yeah, I and, can see that. And by the way, um, he is absolutely Rod Brindamore's type of player. Yeah, no question. Oh, there's no <laughs> question ridiculous. about it. There's but, no question. You know, you know that old thing: find you someone who loves you. Find you someone who loves you like Rod Brindamore loves Jordan Stahl. 
Well, I find think, that. I think Rod sees a lot of how he played in Jordan's game. For sure. Mm. No There's, question. I mean, you know, ace penalty killer. Uh, Rod yeah. scored 30 goals Face a Face-off machine. Well, eight, just say he's, uh, Jordan's got a scoring touch. He does. And that's part of the reason he left Pittsburgh in the first place. Probably was that won't he, score 30. He probably won't, but that's okay. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to hit the heights that he uh, thought he was going to hit by leaving Pittsburgh and getting out from behind Crosby and Malkin, but right. that's okay. I mean, if he's... He if just he didn't want to be sure. buried on a third line there. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, if he, if he can pot 20, 25 goals a year, you know, that's that's okay. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, look, what he did last night against uh, Tampa, completely, like, telling uh, Nikita Kucherov, I'll take this. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Yeah, I'll take this puck. <laughs> Kucherov was just left against the wall. I mean, <laughs> can we take one second to just... Remind everyone that two shots were fired from Tampa's side through two periods. It's amazing, like two plus. How is that? How no, is two, that even two, two and a half from from the Stamkos and both, goal? And the and the two shots that were fired happened back to back at the beginning of what the the third period. Yeah, like three minutes into the third period, that was it. They didn't I mean, have one in overtime, did no, they? They didn't. No. So well, Carolina so, had the puck because they still had they the puck the whole play, damn but, time. Yeah, but still, it was awesome. You got a, you got that team, and they get zero shots in what? Let me do the math. Forty. Has anybody minutes? checked on Eric Tulski? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't even wrap my mind around that. If I'm Tom Dunnan, I'm putting him inside a locked room. <laughs> I mean, has anybody checked out. on him? I mean, he's got a, he's got cold towels. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, all right, so the power play looks good. Yeah, surprisingly. I mean, yeah. Well, one unit of the power play looks good. Uh, but the other unit hasn't looked bad. No, it's just, it's that just not effective. Rod talked about it yesterday. <laughs> it hasn't looked bad. It's just not doing anything. Right, but it, it, it really it, it the way that was, which is really unit one mm-hmm. with uh, with Gardner and Aho and Stahl. And I'm trying to remember who else is on it, but we know who's on power play unit two because Need they were on the ice on it, all the time. Uh, but the um, e- even the the unit that wasn't effective. Was not train wrecky, no. Like the Hurricanes' power play was. No, it is. It has come a long last way. Year. I mean, they're not like you know turning over the puck at the blue line like it's a hot potato. We couldn't set up right. last year, right? And so we're getting. You know, we've made progress, but so now you've got um, Hamilton again. This is Unit Two: Hamilton, Teravainen, Svechnikov, Halla, Dzingel, and oh. there's some there's some speed, right? There's 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 plenty of speed there. And you've got playmakers on the wings mm-hmm. in Teravon and, and Svechnikov. You got a face-off winner. You do, and a goal scorer so far. And and Halla, by the way, what, what is the combined distance from the goal line in Eric Halla's three goals? Five six, feet, six yeah. feet. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been in the crease mm-hmm. on basically all of them. Yeah, he's he's you know, and he's not that big of a dude mm-hmm. either. He's not. But you need guys like that, and the Hurricanes haven't right. had a guy that's just willing to camp out right there for mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I think I think this is going to come up with with more power play goals as the year. Oh, he's going to be fine. He had two. He had, he has two assists. Yeah, yeah. I know. No, but, I don't have a problem with how he's been playing. But yeah, if you, I don't know. I I, I I watch him play, and I see him get himself open a lot. I don't think he's handled the puck as well as he would like to over the course of the three games. Um, he's had some chances here and there. He hit a post. He's, he might have hit a couple posts already. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he did. hit the crossbar and a post. Yeah. Right. Um, I gave him the Brock McGinn trophy. Yeah, in the, uh... But he seems to me to find seams in the power play where guys can slip him passes that other other guys in that position haven't been able to do in the past. 
So I think they'll come for him. But yeah, I think I think so too. And the thing with guys like that, and Rod's talked about this, is getting that chemistry going. And I think we're kind of seeing it now. That second unit. I mean, that's that's a five-man fluid unit right now. Mm-hmm. And you see these tic-tac-toe passes like the one that led to Hollis' goal last night. I mean, those are, as, those are as good as they get. And that's what you want to see from your from your power play. And it's what we weren't seeing last year, that quick puck movement, yeah. the quick decision-making. That wasn't there. And now it is, and thank God. I think it's also a little ironic that Dougie finally became power play one quarterback last night. We thought it was just power play two going out there at first. And then it turned that, that probably is power play one. And then it point. turned into power play one. But I mean how long last year were we either begging, begging for begging yeah. for Dougie and Falk to play on the same power uh, power play or have Dougie a quarterback, since that never happened, quarterback the power play well, one unit, and he finally is doing it. It's working. My understanding is the issue with Hamilton on power play one last year was that they didn't like they don't like the way he carries the puck into the zone. So if you notice, Teravainen, who's great at that, is on the same unit with him because mm-hmm. they had Slavin with with Hamilton yeah, on power Slavin's play two, and that. Slavin is good at bringing yeah. the puck into the zone. By the way, Slavin's not going to get much power play time now, no. uh, but they have their third unit will have Slavin and Pesci on it. We're going to talk about Brett Pesci in a second. By the way, the penalty kill, also pretty good. So you gave up, you had 10 shorthanded situations combined against Washington and Tampa, and they allow one goal. Ain't bad, especially <laughs> yeah. against those two teams. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're playing the Little Sisters no. of the Poor on the other side. Right. I mean, you're looking at a power play one unit in Washington that's like Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson, and somebody Oshie. else. Oshie. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And they that's what I was saying earlier. You give up five penalties in six. regulation, yeah, six well, total, and you kill all of them. And Stahl was in the box for two of those penalties. Yes. Right. I know. I, know. I mean. Crazy. I, I would have. It's impressive. Uh, you 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 know we went into the game. There was a qu- a question asked of Rod Brindamore. I think I think Mike asked it. Um, you know, is staying out of the box a key? And he's like, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't you can't <laughs> can't get in the box with these. Two. Maybe it isn't. And <laughs> just I mean, just like leading after two periods, uh, maybe maybe this is the the Bizarro uh, <laughs> well, hurricane it's, season. It's definitely Bizarro. I think they won what three games last year, all of last year after. Alec, what did you say? Three twenty and zero. Yeah, Th- there were. Th- uh, I think it was yeah something like that three twenty and three or three twenty and zero. I can't so they've won exactly. as so they've won as many games in the first three games of this season as yeah. they won all of last year when trailing after first time periods. in uh, Hurricanes history they are three and zero second well first time in Hurricanes yeah the first right. time they did they were the Whalers but Franchise and they've been history. here a long time yeah three and zero for the first I mean. They I'm, won a Stanley Cup. I'm going to guess and three and zero. I'm going to guess it's the first time in franchise history they're three and zero with three overtime. Yes, wins. that is that is absolutely correct. All right, um, that's like almost never happened in the NHL. Never mind the Hurricanes. We said we were going to talk about Dougie Hamilton. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but I want to talk about uh, Hamilton, who came up with Boston, was a first round pick in Boston. Uh, kind of fell out of favor, maybe in the locker room, certainly among the fans, was sent to Calgary uh, when Hamilton was traded to Carolina. Uh, then all the stuff starts coming out about how, uh, yeah, I can't. so glad to have him out of the locker room. Um, he seems like he really fits here. Boy, he's relishing this, and isn't he? And I, I wonder if everybody thrives in different situations if because there is no white-hot Spotlight, unless your name is Stahl mm-hmm. or Ward, um, because there is or no because <laughs> there is no white hot spotlight. Right. If this is just the perfect place 
for Hamilton's total game to flourish. Well, you've seen it with other guys in the past. Uh, see Jokinen comes to mind. Not necessarily sure. a, an underappreciated guy because he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the the teammate drama following him the way that Dougie did. But, you know, he, he thrived out of the spotlight, you know, just kind of under the radar. And Dougie's very much the same way. And you could see in the interview that he did with Mike on the bench last night, yeah. I mean, you know, 14,000 fans all chanting his name. That got to him. In much oh, the same in, in much the same way as the ovation for Rod Brindamore on opening night got to him. <laughs> and you can see, I mean, and and I think it's How about one... Peter when they made the playoffs last Yes. Year. <laughs> and and Peter played well, right Peter, into it. Peter just Peter just brings that on. It's like I love, I love he's the best. I love Peter. Peter's, I love good Peter. Peter Peter has <laughs> Peter has a ring presence, as they oh, say yes. in another sport. Gosh, um, he does. But here's the thing though, with with Dougie and He's effective when he's allowed to be effective. And when people are picking apart his game seam by seam, he's not allowed to be effective because he's he he has a tendency, you know, I, I I'll say he gets inside his own head. I don't mean that as necessarily a pejorative, but it's kind of like what I said with Fogel earlier. He just gets wrapped up so tightly and it's impossible to perform when you've got a straitjacket on. And he's allowed to be himself. You know, he's 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 kind of like what you said about Justin Williams earlier, where he just kind of has a wry smile on his face and mm-hmm. just knows that this is the place that he that he wants to be. And you heard Ryan Dezingle talk about it when he signed here and, you know, unprompted just started speaking glowingly of this area and how unappreciated it is across the NHL. People don't realize it until they get here because, you know, they stay at the hotel. They make the couple mile drive to the arena and then they go to the airport right you, you don't see it when you don't live here but once you get here you realize it and i think guys like dougie with his type of personality are the kind of guys that thrive in that environment it's you know henrik lundquist works in new york mm-hmm. i don't know if Hen- henrik lundquist would work i mean he would work obviously but would he be the same guy out of the spotlight of broadway probably not would He's Ovechkin, really handsome. Would Ovechkin be the same guy out of the spotlight of Washington, one of the you know five or six top franchises in the league? Probably not. And so guys fit in certain places, and this is the kind of place where a player like Dougie Hamilton fits. I would tell Tom uh, Tom Dundon should sign him now. Dougie's just, he's just an interesting guy. He I mean, he's a he's a quieter guy. He's a pensive guy. I think. And he's the most interesting man in the world. Let's go ahead I mean, and say it. He's just he's just a he's just a different cat. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just put it out there like that. Plus, you know, we have museums here. We have outdoor museums. We have indoor <laughs> museums. So he can go and be his pensive self. We have arboretums. Self. We yeah. have gardens. We have everything. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna open this up a little bit and uh, let you let you behind the curtain here for a second. In a week or so, I'm gonna have a story about all the new fathers on the Hurricanes because there's a lot oh, of really? babies in that That's locker right. room now. And again, you hear it said. Dougie's all, a single guy. Dougie is, but I mean. Uh, Jacob Slavin's got one. Uh, Jake Gardner just had one. Right. Obviously, uh, Jordan Stahl. I mean, he's got four now, but that was obviously just had yeah. one. There's a few other guys that are just now. They're having Kit Martinuk just had one last year. Right. This is you know, and you hear them talk about this, and it's true. This is a good place to raise a family, mm-hmm. and you know that plays into wanting these guys to come here. It's not for everyone, but for the guys that it is for, they can succeed here. And Dougie's Exhibit A of that. He's also been. Very protective of some of the younger players. Oh, yeah. When Svechnikov got knocked out by Ovechkin, it really hit Dougie Hamilton hard. 
Uh, and I think he's also that way with Fogel. He's very protective of Warren Fogel. Uh, with all of that, uh, you could, he's a very thoughtful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my conversations with him after games are always a little bit different than they are they're, with they're, other people. They can be a little uncomfortable and a little awkward well, at I times. Mean, but if, you know, if, if you, I'm better at my job, right. they won't be, ex- they won't no, no, be uh, uncomfortable. That's what I was going to say. If you can get him if, going on a he subject. admitting that I need to be better at my well, job, no, which I, is fine. I agree. No, listen, I did an interview with Dougie the other day that I didn't even air because it wasn't good. <laughs> and I like I would fully take responsibility for that. And but he, you know, he if you get him going on a subject that he wants to talk about, he can be good. I've done interviews with him that are good. And so yeah, it is kind of user error in that regard at some at points, but you know, he doesn't he he's not going to be the guy that that you know, lights up the podcast every single time. I didn't. I didn't include it in the post game interview after Montreal, but I asked him a question. <laughs> but I, you were the, you, you, had, you, but you didn't right, ask him a question. I didn't ask him a question. I was starting to ask him a question. I basically made a statement. And it was basically, he, he it was basically a, a minute long talk about. Right. And then he then he looked at me and I went, "Was I right?" He goes, "Yes." <laughs> I edited that yeah. out of the stuff that you aired. All right, real quick before we uh, before we have to wrap this up, Jacob Slavin's awesome. Dougie Hamilton's having a great year. Jake Gardner scores the goal in overtime in Washington. Uh, Joel Edmondson has been really, really good. He made a couple of mistakes in Washington, but he's been really, really good. Brett Pesci. Something else. I mean, he's been their best defenseman for three games. By a country mile. And none of those guys have been bad at all. They've all been good. Pesci has taken, again, three games, such a small sample size, but... The steps that he's taken, but considering considering the opposition that he was going Mm -hmm. up against, as uh, you know, we've talked before about how Jacob Slavin kind of likes, kind of relishes in in being the guy that shuts Sidney Crosby down and being the guy that'll shut Ovechkin down and so forth. And Pesci's right there with him now, and you know he's he's so he's he's never going to get the recognition, and that's because of the style he plays. It's it's an effective style that doesn't call itself to being a style. Because, you know, it's it's just kind of the subtle guarding into the boards, and it's just the subtle stick work. Yeah, he's that, not a physical guy. No, he's not a physical guy at all. In fact, I think the next check he might throw might be the first. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's so, he's so under the radar effective, and it's the stuff that never shows yeah. up in score sheets, and it's the stuff that never gets talked about by talking heads. But you're not going to have that kind of success that the Hurricanes have had without those kinds of plays, and he's been the forefront of those plays in the first three games. And he's scoring, like last night. Yeah, he, he scored last too. night, I mean, and he could have had another one. I know that he's not going was to Was it be... McGinn gave him the little pass? Yes, was it, it was. It was little... right right after McGinn almost knocked the goal post off the moorings <laughs> with his shot, uh, and then he got the puck back and, and slid it over to Pesci for a goal. I know he's not going to be, like, you know, a major goal contributor, but, you know, when you're doing both things, it makes you even, even more valuable – I think it's cool seeing like cuz all of the pieces are are sort of coming together and and this sort of started last year too. It's where you have a bunch of guys who you've developed in this farm system that you talk about all the time. Oh, when this guy becomes this and when this guy becomes this and when this guy becomes that, Pesci's a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, he and Slavin who were brought up, you know, early in their careers because this team wasn't any damn good. It Pesci was like, came up what like 2 weeks before Slavin. Yeah. All right, and they might as well learn at the NHL level. And then, you know, you piece in a few free agents, you piece, you piece in a, a trade or two here and there, and suddenly all of the guys that you're looking at, you know, Ajo's in the same category too, even though he was on a 
different trajectory as as some of those other guys. But you know, suddenly you've got you know all of the things you've been talking about for a bunch of years. Where okay, now here we are. <laughs> it's here now, and Pesci has become as fun of a player to watch as anybody. Those are the guys that have to be your building blocks necessarily. You can't get them in free agency. You might be able to get them in trades if it's early enough, but by and large, it's the guys that come up through the system that make or break whether your team is good. And look at the guys that the Hurricanes have developed. For all the for all the criticism that Ron Francis took, much of it well, deserved. Both, those, those guys were both drafted by the... Right, Jim but, they, but they regime. were developed under Ron, under Ron Francis. He was the guy that called them both Who up. Who are you, Eddie Olchick? No. <laughs> drink. <laughs> Thank you. And with Ron that, Francis just, mentioned, drink. I'm just kidding. Wow. I think my face just turned the shade Ron, of the Hurricanes look, jersey red. Look, I've had several conversations with Ron since he took the, uh, the job in Seattle. Um, he deserves, there is credit to be mm-hmm. doled out in the direction of Ron Francis for... The per, some of the personnel he he did draft Sebastian Ajo. He stole Tavo Teravainen from Chicago for a contract for Brian Bickle's contract. He stole him. So the criticism of Francis was too methodical. Didn't make a player for player trade. Although Josh Juris for Greg McKegg worked out. Yeah, it did. So it did. Uh, that's Josh Juris. Wow, what a name. <laughs> what a pull. I love that pull. <laughs> It's a great when we trade. Get, when man. we get to the point where we drop Josh Juris's name, I think we're it's over. Yeah. About done. All right. So Brian LeBlanc, Kane's Country at BD LeBlanc on Twitter. Alec Campbell, Alec Campbell five on Twitter. Stormwatch Aftermath, uh, produce a radio show in town too. I'm I'm told. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for yeah. It. My feeling exactly. Let's do it again. Uh, what we will. We absolutely will. Uh, thanks all of you. Kane's Corner podcast episode five for the. This season, season four, episode five, over. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.